we should drink while recording more often. Okay. Oh, yeah. We always need to get like a, you know, like a. Oh, yeah. How about like a. (laughs) (laughs) Got a clove in my mouth. (laughs) Aspirated a clove. (laughs) Oh, hey. Hey. I didn't see you there. I'm big. Oh, I'm white. In case you guys didn't know, together we're big and white. Match made in heaven. (laughs) You're listening to a bonus episode of the Big and White Podcast. Podcast where we explore what it means to be a foreigner in Asia. And in this podcast, we're exploring what it means to drink hot toddies while we record a podcast. And it's going well. It is. Cheers. Cheers. Ooh, that was a good one. It was good. So, you guys, to thank our patrons and all of our listeners for getting us to $25 a month support, we are doing an Ask Me Anything episode. You guys submitted your questions, mm-hmm. and you submitted a lot, so yeah. we're pretty excited. Yeah, they're good questions. Mm. I was really excited about these. I haven't even seen some of them, so it's going to be a surprise. Yeah. But before we get started on the questions... We wanted to play for you a little clip from one of you listeners that inspired us to drink these delicious hot toddies that we have in our hands right now. Hey, I'm listening to one of your podcasts and you guys are talking about the hot lemon honey and you probably have already thought of this, but have you guys made hot toddies yet? Because, you know, the Thanksgiving... Like Christmas season is coming up and um, it happened. <laughs> I believe it's you. One of you has quite the bar. We um, both do. Set up. So <laughs> if you haven't tried that yet, my request request is that you try um, hot lemon honey uh, Nepali drink with whatever you want it to make it a hot toddy. Spiced room. Um, they're my favorite winter drink. So I wanted to see if you have done that yet. Okay. Hope you're well. Hope you're well. Oh, we are well. We're so well. (laughs) So that was our listener. Her name is Bug. And thanks, Bug, for the idea. We actually hadn't done Hot Lemon Honey Hot Toddies. We actually are keeping a running list of everything that we drink while we podcast. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. (laughs) Yeah. And we're going to add this to the list. Heck yeah. So, Bug, thanks for the suggestion because this is freaking delicious. Yeah, especially because we're sitting on Big's floor. It's carpeted, mm-hmm. but it's a little bit chilly. It's getting dark outside. So, yep. this was much needed. You said it's your favorite winter drink. It's still kind of winter here. It's warming up, but yeah. I would say February still counts as winter. Oh, yeah. So, um, we added Kukri Spiced Rum to our hot lemon honeys, which is very wintry and very delicious. Yeah. It was like a Christmas throwback for me to drink this. <laughs> yeah. It made me feel all warm and cozy. Mm, good memories. <laughs> okay, and now everyone for whom this is the first episode they've ever heard is thinking, oh dear goodness, I'm not going to keep listening to this yeah. podcast. <laughs> Go back and listen to a different one first. You shouldn't start here. Spare yourself. I mean, we're super glad you're here. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. And we're really excited about this episode. Yes. But maybe we're not going to answer questions that you care about. (laughs) Well. Because you don't know us. We'll find out. But after this episode, you will know us. (laughs) Too too much, probably. So the way we're going to do this is 
We are going to do the questions in a 100% random order. And by that, I mean we wrote all the numbers down and put them in a little bag. And Specifically, our microphone bag. <laughs> I wasn't going to admit that, but okay. <laughs> we spared no expense. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't have a hat, so. <laughs> but yeah, so we're just going to draw them out and answer them as they come up. So, White, would you like to do the honors of drawing the first question? I would love to. You're answering number 13. Okay, 13 is... Lucky number 13. Are you still dependent on cash in Kathmandu, or can you get by with a phone or a card? That is a great question, and we love talking about this because it is pretty much completely dependent on cash still. Mm. Like, I mean, we're getting there, right? Like, I would say when I moved here, I made 3% of my transactions with a card, and now I make... 15 to 20 percent with a card so it's increased a lot Mm -hmm. yeah but there's no phone payment here that was something that blew my friggin' mind when i was in america last year (laughs) i was like they're like you can just hold your phone next to our cash machine and then you paid and i was like no no i'm not signing up for that that freaks me out or your watch oh really i guess that makes sense yeah crazy but here i like to joke that you know like in America or the West, that person who like is holding up the line because they pull out their checkbook and everyone's like, no, <laughs> here it's like everyone's paying in cash and going on their merry little way. And then you get out a credit card and everyone behind you was like, no, because <laughs> they have to like turn the tiny little swipey machine on and they wait and they're like, <laughs> I have to turn it on. And no, it's it's a little slow today. And we're like, yeah, it is a little slow, isn't it? Sometimes it's like that. And then you do a little chat about it and then you wait. <laughs> and uh they get a pen out already for you print the little thing for you to sign and well or like if you go to Bottini, which is like the big superstore i guess would be a word for it you can pay with card but they have all the card machines at Mm. one place so you hand them your card and they walk away from the till and go over to the card swipey place and then come back with the receipt and i always feel kind of bad like i hand them my card and they're like (sighs) <sighs> they like yeah. look at the amount so they know how much to plug in like walk over to the machine i'm like sorry whoopsie. i gotta get my credit card points yeah. <laughs> so yeah there's some things you can buy with a card yeah but there's no like square there's mm-hmm. no kind of way for like a smaller business really to have a credit card no. except for the traditional way you can do some online payment by like eSewa, which means electronic service. Right. That's true. I've never signed up for that. Like some banks have electronic yeah. stuff. Yeah. I see that like on, you know, like it'll be a sticker yeah. in the establishment that says, oh, we accept this. Yeah. But I don't know how it works. I don't know either. And one of our friends who is Nepali listened to our episode and we were like talking about eSewa and he was like, eSewa is the best thing ever. I'm going to teach you how to use it. And I'm like, that's amazing. And then he moved to America. No. <laughs> Rude. Oh my gosh. Well, we'll have to find someone else to teach us. Please. We help can do us. it. Yeah. <laughs> help us come into the 21st century. All okay. right. We're bringing out our high tech bag. Do you remember when we used to draw out questions for our listener or for our guests from a flower pot? I mean, we still do that. We just haven't had a guest in a while. <laughs> and then I put a flower in the flower pot. Oh. <laughs> okay. We're going to do question 15. Okay. 
Are you going to read it? Oh. (laughs) (laughs) What recipes from Nepal should the rest of the world try to look up and try making? Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, Nepali food is not... This is going to sound weird. I'm going to say Nepali food's not that exciting, but I really love Nepali food. Mm. So it's not a negative thing. It's just not a... There isn't a lot of variety, I guess. And... Like, I've tried making the main dish, which is dalbat, which is, like, rice and lentils and some mm-hmm. sides, and it never tastes that good to me. <laughs> so I feel mm. like I can't suggest that people try making that. Oh, I know. Yeah. Guati. Yeah. Yes. Um, how is that spelled? Um, K-W-A-T-T-I. Good. Look it up on the internets. It's a seven bean soup mix. Mm-hmm. At least seven beans, isn't it? I was seven. I don't remember now. Yeah. <laughs> I think there are seven beans and usually they're sprouted. So you get them wet and let them like sit for a while. <laughs> and then it's a really delicious hearty bean yeah. stew. Oh, it's so good. And it would be pretty easy to make and super uh, nutrient dense mm-hmm. and delicious. That's mm-hmm. my suggestion. What do you think, White? I totally agree with that. I drink, I mean, I eat that all winter long. I, Momos are also like good. I mean, Momos are amazing. Don't, yeah, I feel like those are but, hard to make though. You yeah. have to buy a steamer and yeah. The spices are like pretty specific too, but you can give it a go. Yeah. Our friend did it. She made Momos in the US and she bought pre-made dough that was already flat. Mm-hmm. So you didn't have to do that. You just wrap it up into the dumplings. So I guess in that way, that might be yeah makeable. My favorite thing that I like, my favorite treat that I love eating is uh, Newar delicacy, which is one of the ethnic groups of Nepal, the a huge ethnic group within Kathmandu Valley. Um, but it's called Yomari. Mm. And they're so good. It's mm. it's a dumpling, but it's a sweet dumpling made out of what do you call it? A rice dough. Yeah. Yeah. And then the inside ha- either has something that would be kind of close to molasses or you can put like uh sweet condensed milk and coconut, like mm. um shredded coconut. Oh my gosh, I want to eat one right now. <laughs> so good. And they're shaped like it's hard to describe what they're shaped like but they have a very a fat carrot with a tiny leaf at the top yeah kind of (laughs) like that (laughs) but they're delicious i can't imagine making them in america but i bet you could it's just i mean you just need a steamer yeah it would be the same thing yeah you guys should try that and then tell us Mm -hmm. because they're so delicious so yummy i want one right now okay moving on next let's go for a low number Oh, (laughs) number nine. Number nine. Okay. So this question says, namaste. So how would you describe a Nepalese person's face? And they sent this on Shivaratri. So it says, happy Shivaratri. Well, happy Shivaratri to you too. Like a week and a half ago. (laughs) (laughs) Awkward pause. I, I... This question is actually, I was like, oh, man, how are we going to answer this question? But I get asked this question from people back in the U.S. Oh, really? Fairly often, like people who have no idea anything about Nepal. Mm. And so they're trying to conceptualize, you know, yeah, can you recognize a Nepali person? Because maybe they think, oh, Tibet, or they think India, Mm -hmm. you know. 
Um, My answer would be yes and yes. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. So Nepal is really ethnically diverse. We've talked about this, I'm sure, on other episodes. But there's lots of different groups within Nepal. And I mean, there's general similarities. Like, Like most people have dark brown hair that's like kind of the Asian texture that you think of that thicker hair. Um, and, Which is gorgeous. Like uh, my one dream in life is to have an Nepali woman's hair. Yeah, it will not happen. <laughs> nope, they it will call not me white for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and people tend to be shorter and slighter than Westerners, um, but there's a range within that too, uh, depending on like if you're from the mountains or if you're from the jungle areas, because there's different. I mean, I guess one word for it would be like tribe. I don't know. I think that's the word we would use for Native Americans. Yeah. So some people, the longer you're here, the more you can start to recognize like, oh, that person looks like a lot of other people I know that are from Mm -hmm. that one ethnic group and culture. And this person looks so, you know, if you know what a Tibetan person's face kind of looks like, a lot of the mountain people who live in the mountains look more like that. And then if you know what more northern Indian people tend to look like, people in the south look like that. Mm-hmm. And then there's some other ones. Yeah. Save me. I'm babbling. <laughs> um, no. Okay. <laughs> well, I hope that helps. Now you should go on Google, look up Yomari, the dessert, and also look up pictures of Nepali yep. people. Are you taking notes? Okay, let's <laughs> move on. Number three. Number three is did you learn reading and writing for nepali script or just spoken nepali so far i'm gonna let you answer this one i love this question because i love writing in nepali and i love reading in nepali i started reading and writing when i was probably about three months into language learning so two years and nine months ago i began to read and write way back when Four score and no years ago. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's really difficult, but I'm a language nerd, potentially a language dork. <laughs> Ooh, so, <laughs> <virgin> on dork. <laughs> so I really like learning how to read and write. I'm not particularly good at it. I try to read as much as I can, but it's hard. Yeah, so the written language of Nepali is a different register, if you've heard that linguistic term. So it's a lot more formal, and there's different vocabulary that you use for things than you do when you're speaking. So if you know how to talk in Nepali, and then you try to read a children's book aimed at five-year-olds, you can't. No. It's, I had this exact it's, experience. It's I was like, what's hard. this word? And they're like, sweater, duh. <laughs> but it doesn't say sweater. <laughs> Worst is when it's an English word and you're like, Daxi? Daxi? I don't know that word. And they're like, it's a taxi. You're like, oh, <laughs> going to the hospital hospital it's hospital every single time (laughs) yeah it's embarrassing (laughs) but it's really fun i have a question for you for me i like the script but i just get frustrated because it's hard so (laughs) so i will say my answer is i can write in the (laughs) ballet but i don't do it very Mm -hmm. often i loved learning the letters though that was super fun for me and i actually found a like kids handwriting book oh 
Do you remember having those when you were a kid? Did you ever do like that? Like the tracing ones? Yeah, so it had like the dotted lines with the arrows. Mm. Like, do this part of the A first. Good. Then do this other, you know, like do the circle, then do the line. And so I got one of those for Nepali. And that was really helpful for me. I mean, my writing still looks like a seven-year-old. <laughs> Nepali's learned to write when they're like three, so... Yeah. Yeah, they all have gorgeous. So that's on par. You've been here five years. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> oh, that makes me feel better. <laughs> but I think it helps uh, my writing look a little bit more natural because mm. if I go fast or I make a mistake, it's the same type of mistake that someone would make who learned to write that right. way. Whereas if you just tried to make it up, like, okay, I see this, what this letter looks like, and I'm going to decide what order right. to do all the lines in, then it would be yeah. not so good. Okay, next question. You said you had a question for me, and then... Oh, my question was, how did you learn? But instead, I just told you how I learned. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> how did you learn? Why? None of that. In a bad way. <laughs> no, actually, I did have a book. Oh. Yeah. Good job. I don't know. But I also like like to be very aware of how I write things. Like, even in English, I'm like, hmm, you know what? I think I would like to start writing my A's this way and then I'll change it and like practice oh my it for gosh, a while. I do the same thing. <laughs> when I'm bored in meetings, I just write the alphabet oh, in my notebook. Speaking of which, one of my <laughs> most favorite things to do um, with Devon Augury, the Nepali script, is to write non Nepali things. So, like, write English in Devon Augury. Oh, no. That sounds horrible. So, if, I'm, if I'm bored in meetings, I'll write like, hi. My name oh. is White. Mm-hmm. How are you no. in Devanagari? That makes me feel weird in my stomach. Why? <laughs> I just... <sighs> I'll do it for you sometime. No, It'll be immersion therapy. No, I hate it. I guess it just feels like, why would you put effort into doing something so unuseful? <laughs> it's not unuseful. I'm frowning. You can't hear me, but I'm frowning. <laughs> I think they can hear I you. I look like frowny cat. <laughs> grumpy cat. I look like grumpy May cat. May you rest in peace. Truly. Okay. Um, I think it's your Is turn to draw a number. Mirapalo ayo. Ugh. Kill me. Okay. Number 12. What is the best tasting edible thing you've tried in Nepal? And is there an alcoholic drink native to Nepal? And if yes, have you tried it? We've tried all of them. (laughs) (laughs) Truly, we have. Whether of our own free will or not. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Um, Should we start with the most best tasting edible thing? There's so many delicious things. I know. It's true. Um, Fern fronds. (gasps) Eating fern fronds was a new thing for me. Those are so good. They're delicious. They make the best, like, vegetable stewy side yeah. thing mm, yum yeah yeah they're real cute too when you see them growing have you seen them yeah they look like little lollipops yeah <laughs> so cute. <laughs> i always feel a little bit guilty because when if you're like traveling with somebody then they'll often like pick them as they're going along because they're mm-hmm. like i'm gonna take this to the next village we're going to and we're <sighs> gonna make it into a delicious side yum. and you're like oh those poor ferns are like Ooh, and you're like, and they're like no <laughs> I have grown. Just kidding. I will be <laughs> yeah. eaten. Because <laughs> they're pretty fat kind of fronds. Mm-hmm. Never said that before. That is, I've never <laughs> fat des- fronds. I have never described a frond before. Welcome. Um. Okay. What is the best tasting animal thing I've tried in Nepal? Well, this is going to sound kind of basic, but 
I think the most delicious, like, full meal I've ever had was right when I moved here. I went to a village, and they made us dalbat, just Mm -hmm. the normal meal. But the rice was, like, almost sticky, which is Mm. my favorite kind of rice. And they poured ghee, which is reduced butter, over the rice. And then the lentils were just like perfect and the meat was stewed and like spiced but not overly spicy. And just like every single little thing about that meal was perfection. They had these little fried potatoes that were like mini fried potato edges. I still think about that meal sometimes. It was incredible. And it kind of, I mean, I love Dalbot, but I don't think I've ever had as good of a Dalbot set as that moment. Yeah. And I peaked like, Three months into my yeah. time here. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Didn't go well for me. Okay, let's talk about alcohol now. Yep. There ready? goes the entire episode. <laughs> <laughs> for real. So there's so many. There's so, so many. We travel for work, right? So we end up in lots of different parts of the country. And each area kind of has their own style of alcohol that they make. Um, so I guess maybe we'll just name a few and then talk about whether we liked yeah. them or not. You want to go first? Well, part of my research is with the Newar people group that we've already mentioned. I already called out Yomari, which is another Newar food. So um, they have a liquor called Isla, and it is delicious. Is that the rice it beer-ish? It's kind between of... Between beer and liquor? It's a hard liquor. Oh, okay. It's distilled. Yeah. Okay. I'm not entirely... I can't remember what it's made out of right now. Maybe it's a mix hmm, okay. of... Of grains? Of barley and wheat or something like that. Mm. I can't remember. But... And I haven't had it very often. But the last time I was in a liquor store buying a bottle of whiskey for a friend and the guy was Nawar. And so, of course, I'm just like super excited. The mm. guy who owned the shop was Nawar. So, of course, I was super excited and was talking to him about my research and, you know, how, oh, Newar has different dialects and isn't, you know, so all of these things. And then, and he was like, oh, well, I have one of our special (gasps) liquors. I just opened the bottle. Oh, my God. Do you want to try some? And I was like, I've heard of this and I've heard it's really good. And, and so he let me try some and it was really good. It was super smooth. Okay. Ooh, I haven't tried that. Yeah. Yum. I've had the, at like the Newar restaurant that mm-hmm. I like, they have the rice liquor mm-hmm. and then there's different levels of how good it is. Oh. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. It's like called first water, second water, third water, fourth water or something. <laughs> so I've tried the best one and it was delicious. Mm. <laughs> but what else is there? Um, so Chang is a general Asian term for beer, but in Nepal, usually it means rice beer. Mm-hmm. I've also had corn beer, mm-hmm. which was palatable. <laughs> yeah, it really depends on who's making it, like how right. refined it is. That's true. Yeah, because I've like in the village, I've had like distilled rice liquor that's good. Mm-hmm. And then I've had it that you're like, you know, chewing it up or just barely able to get it down because yeah. it's so intense. But my favorite liquor in Nepal mm-hmm. is called Tungba. Yeah. Mm, and this is more common in the Tibetan areas, so in the mountains. And it's usually millet, but it can also be other grains. So like a mix of rice and millet, I mean, corn and millet or barley and millet maybe. But what they do is they ferment the grain and then they put it in a little special cup thing. And then they pour hot water over it, 
and it seeps into the water and then you drink it through a straw. So it's like fermented millet tea. It is fun to drink. It is. It's a whole experience because you have your little cup. And then, of course, if you're in the village, you're their guest. So they're like insisting that you drink a lot. So the woman of the house, like the matriarch, comes by with the hot water and she checks under your lid. And if you haven't drank it enough since last time she came by, she makes you drink more. (laughs) So there's room to pour more hot water. (laughs) The best. But speaking of variable quality, I've had some really bad talking about to you. So it depends on where you go. But it was fun. Like when we were out in the villages for work, I remember one village, especially they they talked about because like, you know, depending on how long it ferments for, it's going to be more alcoholic or whatever. And everyone was like, oh, this one dude, he has the best. <laughs> and we got to go to his house and I was like, my life is complete. Yes. <laughs> okay. Next question. Seven. What is the most entertaining story that you have from getting lost? Mm. I thought of one that we could share. Okay, go ahead. So Big and I were traveling together for work, and we were also with um, a local guide who was going to take us to this village. But she was a speaker of the language, but she didn't. Um, she had never been to this area before, but she had a contact in the village that we were going to. Um, and so we get off the bus and we know that we have to walk for a little while, um, but we have no idea how long that we need to walk for. <laughs> and so um, we'd been walking for a while and we're just along this dirt road and like it is a dirt road like the kind of super fine powder where it was just like dirt road it was like a dust road yes yeah yes like like if powdered sugar was (laughs) sifted sifted and made into a road that you drive motorbikes and trucks on that's what it is yeah like all of you is dust by the end of that road and so we were walking on that for like i don't know a few kilometers and um we have no idea where we're going. And so finally, she like calls the contact and is basically triangulating where we were. Like every 10 minutes, like, we'd call her. Are we still on the right path? Yeah. Are we still on the right path? Yeah. And so she called her and the lady is like, well, where are you guys? And she was like, well, we're on a road. It's dusty, dusty. <laughs> And um, and there's some tamang houses. Yeah. And the lady was like, oh, yeah, you're going the right way. And we're like, that is the least specific. We could have been anywhere in Nepal. Like, but we were on the we right path. We got there. And we got there. It was absolutely amazing. Yeah, that was pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah. But had it been up to us, we would have been, you know, like, if we would have gotten that call and they're like, where oh, are yeah. you? And we're like, um... There's a hill to the north, and there's two houses on it. And she would have been like, what? No. <laughs> yeah, who are you? What are you doing? Are there Tamang houses nearby? Is it dusty, dusty? <laughs> <laughs> well, here's my story. My friend was visiting, and I hadn't been living here for super long, under a year. And he was going to take a Jeep to India, basically public transportation mm-hmm. to India. So I bought the ticket and then I was like, okay, so where does he need to go to meet the public transportation? And the guy told me the name of the area. It's like, a, you know, I guess you would call it a bus park maybe mm-hmm. where you would meet. And I'm like, okay. So we wake up. It's like, 
you know, six in the morning, 5.30, whatever, because this bus is going to leave at 6.30. We find a taxi and I'm like, can, because I didn't know where this place was. So I'm just like, I'm going to trust the taxi driver knows. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm like, can you take us to this place? And he's like, okay, it's this much money. And I'm like, that's, is that right? I don't know. (laughs) Seems expensive. I don't think it's that far away. So we like bargain for a while. Okay, fine. We get in. And then we're driving for like 20 minutes. And I'm like, where are we going? I'm so confused. Like the guy told me it was close to my house, but I don't know where. So I finally <laughs> lean forward and I'm like, um, excuse me, like, where are we going? And he's like, oh, we're almost here. And we like pull up and I'm like, I don't think this is right. I'm like, so then I said the name of the place again and his eyes <laughs> got all big and he was like, oh, um, okay (laughs) like oh no i'm like nervous that my friend is gonna miss his bus you know so we get back in the driver drives super fast (laughs) back the way we came it ends up the place where my friend had to meet was only like i don't know less than a kilometer from my house (laughs) he's like here we are i'm like cool well have a good day oh no (laughs) Everything ended up okay. Yeah, he made his Jeep. He did, yeah. Yeah. That was, um. we made a joke like, oh, hope you don't get swine flu. He gets on the Jeep. I'm like, bye. We don't hear from him for three days. And then he posts a picture on Facebook of him in the hospital (laughs) drinking from a coconut. I got swine flu. (laughs) (laughs) Murphy's Law or something. Oh, my gosh. That's ridiculous. (laughs) It was good. Okay, next question. Number eight. Number eight, what is the best souvenir you have ever purchased? Mm. I really like that question, but it's really hard to answer. I have so many. (laughs) So many. Well, because I feel like I have recommendations about like what are good souvenirs to buy here in Nepal, but then I also like traveling other places and buying things. Yeah. I will say one of my favorites that continues to give me delight consistently over the years is a Yeti-shaped Christmas ornament. <laughs> I think the best part about it is it's super cute. It's like a little knitted. It's definitely made of yak wool, little guy. But it's not a consistent in my life. Mm-hmm. So it's just like every year I have this moment where I'm like, oh, the Yeti. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite. But there's lots of felted products here. Mm-hmm. And people love them. Yeah. Like my cousin sent me something on Facebook like, oh, my gosh. I saw this amazing product, and then I saw Made in Nepal. Can you buy those there? Like, yeah, girl, we got all the felts. Yeah, like world market. That's all from Nepal, baby. (laughs) (laughs) What's your favorite? Um, I really like buying pieces of art wherever I go, like Mm. because they're really flat, and you know, true portable. If you're poor, you can buy like cool postcards that you may eventually be able to get framed or something. So I do tend to buy things no matter where I go. My favorite thing that I have bought in Nepal, as far as like printed things, is a painting Mm. of the Mona Lisa on Feywa Lake, which is the lake in Pokhara. (laughs) In a boat, right? In a boat, in one of like the prototypical Feywa Lake, like, flat bottom 
painted, brightly colored boats. So good. It's amazing. Where did you find that? Oh, at the art market. Art market, right? yeah. Yeah. I was so delighted by it. <laughs> so good. And it actually, like, I meant to get it framed, and I still haven't gotten it framed, but I'm now I have, like, a little nice nook in my room mm. that it can sit up there, and it's protected. So Love I just it. get to look at it, and I'm like, ah. That's it's like so good. my line of vision when I wake up. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's amazing. Yeah. Th- so those are probably our favorite, like, items, but... I would say, like, if you're visiting, there's tons of great uh, cashmere, and you can also get pashmina, which is half cashmere. Yep. That's going to be lighter, but I have a cashmere scarf that I'm just, like, obsessed with. It's knitted, and it's so good. What else? There's a lot of brass and copper jewelry and, uh, like, kitchen products and stuff. Always a big fan of that. Mm -hmm. I like buying clothes Mm. when I'm shopping, not just in... Nepal. Like when you travel, your souvenirs that you like to buy. Yeah, which Mm. is like a little sad because I know that they won't last forever. It's also something that you consistently use, right? It's not just a little tchotchke that sits on your shelf. So every time that I get to wear, you know, this shirt or this pair of pants, I'm like, no. Like right now, I am wearing a jacket that I bought in Nepal. And every time that I put it on, I'm like, oh. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. And I mean, we love the owners of that leather shop where you got your jacket made. Yes. So extra good. Yes. It is called Latito Leathers. Shout out. We love them. The best. In Jamsica. Yeah. Okay, let's keep going. Your turn. My turn. Number two. La, 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 la. What goods did you each take back from the States this time? That you're now hoarding slash rationing. <laughs> Somebody knows us. Oh, yes. <laughs> so we've discussed how usually when expats visit their home country, they buy something either specific to that country or that's just not available in their expatriate country. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting. I was thinking about this this time because I, I just came back from the States and over the years, what I end up bringing back changes, Mm -hmm. you know? So like, as I'm sitting here in my bedroom, I can look around and see like, oh yeah, I brought that. I brought like a side bag for my bicycle back, but that's a one-time thing. I don't have to bring that back anymore. (laughs) I brought a down comforter for my bed, one-time thing. So once you kind of accumulate all those things, you don't need anything more like that. And you end up bringing more consumable things so which is so fun i know it is this time i did bring back not for myself but for my gym uh barbell pads yes. <laughs> so that was fun that um, felt like christmas like i wasn't even the one giving them to the gym and i was like <laughs> texting the trainer like we have something for you yeah <laughs> well that's like a big payoff because they are large but light yeah. so they don't actually take up that much of your suitcase weight wise but they look exciting like look how much stuff i brought back <laughs> yes <Woo>, christmas <laughs> oh. um yeah this time for me i ended up with like a lot of extra room which was insane i was like oh i'm definitely not gonna have enough weight left and then i had like six kg or like 12 pounds left and i was like i gotta go to the <laughs> grocery store <laughs> And so I just got to do like a shopping trip. Oh, man. Which was so fun and totally unexpected. Fun. Did you bring your suitcase scale to the grocery store with you? <laughs> oh, man, I should have. I actually regretted that I didn't when I was there. <laughs> like, how much does this can of refried yes. beans weigh? <laughs> and it was hilarious, too, because what I decided to basically use for those 12 pounds was protein bars. Mm, yeah. Because 
you guys might know if you listen to the podcast that we go to the gym and lift. Yep. I can't say that we weight lift because that's a specific. Mm-hmm. Well, I power lift. Yeah, I do. I don't know what I do anymore. I used to do bodybuilding and now I don't do bodybuilding and just, I just just say lift. I just lift. Yeah. That sounds stupid though if you don't if you're not like in the community of people. You're mm. like I just lift. Just say I go to the gym. I go to the gym, but I ain't no cardio bunny. <laughs> I lift. <laughs> yeah, I actually I brought back a, not a lot, but a little bit of protein powder mm-hmm. just cuz not because you can't oh, get yeah. it here, but because I already had it and yep. I didn't want to have to buy more because exactly. it's expensive. But I put it in Ziploc bags <laughs> and I felt very That's sketchy. <laughs> like labeling it like, this is not cocaine, I promise. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I brought back like all of these protein bars and I like, I went to this grocery store that, you know, it was like, if you buy one protein bar, then you get a bottle of this vitamin water. And I'm like, of course, I'm not bringing <laughs> vitamin water. And so I'm with my sister and I'm like, will you guys drink this? And so then I have like this small pile of protein bars and then a bottle for like every one of the 24 <laughs> protein bars that I bought. You know, I'm like, this is kind of ridiculous. That's funny. Um, but I have a drawer Next to my bed. <laughs> that sounds dangerous. <laughs> that, Wake up at 3 a.m. Just eat a protein know, bar. Like, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and I have carefully rationed out like how many I can have a week oh my um, to last like six months before I travel so somewhere funny. else. You you know, I feel like I have the opposite. Maybe it's because I've lived here a little bit longer than you. But I used to like really hoard or save things that I brought back from other Mm. countries. I'm like, I have this special Norwegian chocolate or whatever. (laughs) But I realize when I do that, I end up not using it or Mm. it just doesn't feel that good. So I just use it right away when I get back or I try to share it with my friends. And that feels so much better. I mean, I'm not sharing any of my 70 protein bars. (laughs) I'm not hoarding them, though. I eat I eat right, them you're for using sure, them. but you're I not just saving wanna... them for like six months. Yeah, from no, now, I yeah. have a certain. I have another drawer for just field work snacks. <laughs> <laughs> they have. Yeah, expired. I don't do that. I never bring snacks on field work. I brought back three bags of peppermints, just like regular <laughs> peppermints. You'll be happy when we're on field work. Okay, peppermints like you don't get. Yes, you can get mints here, but you can't get that same exact peppermint flavor i guess i don't have that specific of a mint desire well you cannot have any dude then. they have orbit gum here now so i'm happy yeah, for the rest of my but life but it's not the same taste though oh it's yeah it's a nostalgic kind of taste okay for me oh the peppermint I yeah see. well that's good for you more for you i don't care thank you <laughs> um, exactly more anyway next question okay <laughs> we're very passionate about this number five Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> How do your different Enneagram numbers affect the way you travel? We have the, we have the best listeners. We do. We? I know. It's true. I mean, they suggested our delicious hot toddies to us. So yes. obviously they're the best. Um, I'm going to let you go first. <laughs> <laughs> we love talking about the enneagram here i know we do but we try not to talk about it too often mm-hmm. explain um, what it is first okay so the enneagram in essence is a personality typing uh method yes um and we just got a bunch of people who were like oh so boring personality types never work for me they might they just <laughs> might my friend and if we meet you we will know your Enneagram type within <laughs> about 
10 minutes. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I mistyped my roommate and best friend of like mm. five years. So not always. Yeah. Yeah. The thing I like about Enneagram, though, that I feel like is different from other personality types is it's a little bit more about kind of your motivations mm-hmm. and your common pitfalls and what you look like when you're growing and becoming a better person. Yep. Rather than you are X. This is you. Right. And so I feel like in some ways it goes deeper because it's about motivations. Yeah. It's and like when you were a child and this stressful thing happened, this is how you chose to respond. And then that affects you for the rest of your life. Right. It's deeper in that way, but it's also broader in the sense of as you grow and mature throughout your life, if you're in a period of being really emotionally healthy, mm-hmm. you know, you're probably going to be acting in these ways. And if you're emotionally unhealthy, you might be acting in a different way. And it can help you identify some of your problems and really grow from it. So it's not just a like, oh my God, yeah, threes are always doing that. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's more like, hey, here's an issue you might have and here's how maybe you can address it. Yes. Okay. Anyway, back to anyway. the question, which was, how does your Enneagram type white, which is? I am a type three. With? A four wing. And what is that called? <laughs> which is the professional. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll just read super briefly. Threes are self-assured, attractive, <laughs> and, <laughs> and charming. Ambitious, competent, and energetic. They can also be status conscious and highly driven for advancement. Blah, 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 blah. Typically have problems with workaholism and competitiveness. So key motivations for anything want to be affirmed, distinguish themselves from others to have attention, to be admired, and to impress others. You're so great. And you have an amazing <laughs> podcast, right? I'm so impressed Thank with you. Thank you. I feel so affirmed. Um. So, yeah, so a lot of being conscious of how you present yourself to the world all the time. And how does that affect the way you travel? Um, it makes it really stressful when <laughs> I'm like a tourist places because uh, I hate not seeming like I know what I'm doing. Yeah, true. So, and that massively affects how I travel. So, like, for instance, this summer I went to the UK and spent a month there. And I was like, I hate being a tourist, even though <laughs> I was a tourist. And I would go to like central London. <laughs> like pretending you're not a tourist. And be like, oh, all of these stupid Americans. <laughs> I'm like, oh. <laughs> Do you feel like it affects the way you pack too? Like you're like, I have to look so cool yeah. and so appropriate yes. to the place. Yeah. Threes are also notorious for um, having very fluid personalities and being able to adapt to any situation well. Mm. And so, yeah, I do my best attempt to do that Mm -hmm. as best I can. And sometimes when you live somewhere like Nepal and you have a nickname like White, (laughs) it's hard to look like you know what you're doing. Like, I love to be asked for directions. I never get asked for directions. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the greatest sadness of my life. That's hilarious. <laughs> but I feel like there are positive things too. How like, about, do you feel, sorry, I'm interrupting you. No, you're good. My first thought was, do you feel pressure to demonstrate or perform your vacation on social media? Oh. Like, oh, look, here's the story of the cool coffee I had. Here's a picture of me at Angkor Wat. 
here's, <laughs> you know, like, she's like, look, I had a perfect, amazing vacation and how successful I am. Hmm. I think that my four wing kind of balances that out a little bit. Oh, right. Because fours are more like the artistic. I'm trying to be independent. And exactly. I don't want to be that basic chick who's exactly. just posting about my vacation. Okay. And also, I am well-rounded enough now and have been friends with you long enough that I no longer try to take the most I artsy, force you to picture. chill the F out. I'm like, okay, 12 minutes. I'm just going to take a pause while she takes a picture of my food. I'm hungry, <laughs> but go ahead. <laughs> It's worth it because I run our podcast Instagram it's full true. circle. Yeah, I would not want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. What are the positive aspects? I mean, I know. you mentioned trying to fit in, and I think that can either be a negative or a positive. Mm-hmm. Like as a negative, it's putting undue pressure on yourself to try to be something you're not, which is a tourist. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it might really, if you do it successfully, afford you opportunities to connect with locals that you might not otherwise be able to. Right. Or just give you the peace of mind of not standing out like a sore thumb, you know, if that would be a stressful thing to yeah. you, to be able to concentrate and enjoy the place that you are without feeling like, oh, no, do I look like an idiot? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I feel like also like there's my personality and then there's also experience Mm -hmm. and self-awareness anyway that's me i could talk about myself for you know the rest of the podcast but i suppose i'll turn it over to you and i should ask what enneagram type are you how does it affect you when you travel i mean i also could talk about myself for the rest of the podcast (laughs) and that's why we have a podcast (laughs) but so my Enneagram is seven with a strong eight wing, mm. which seven is the enthusiast. Could you tell I'm enthusiast about <laughs> everything? But with the eight wing, that makes me the realist, which actually makes me so happy. Like when I first <laughs> learned about Enneagram and I found out that was my type name, I was like, oh my God, that's my life goal is to be the realist. <laughs> Um, But just briefly, sevens are extroverted, optimistic, versatile, and spontaneous, playful, high-spirited, and practical. They can also misapply their many talents, (laughs) become overextended, scattered, and undisciplined. Well, I did kind of burn myself out, so that sounds (laughs) true. Um, They're constantly seeking new experiences. Yeah, but I think my eight-wing also makes me a little bit more grounded, which Mm -hmm. is nice. And how that affects me when I travel, I think it definitely have an instinct to try to do all the things. Mm -hmm. So it's like, okay, I'm going to be in Italy. I have to go to the five most famous cities. I have to see every single work of art in the whole country and do wine tasting and eat pizzas. And, you know, it's like, (laughs) I mean, in some ways it's fun because I really get, because I have the drive to really research all the interesting things that can be done in a country Mm -hmm. try out lots of new things i want to try new foods like i don't have any fear of new things at all like they're (laughs) super exciting which is why you're great to travel with because i'm like this sounds kind of cool okay we're going okay yeah we do make a good team because we're both enthusiastic and ready to do anything but i would say (laughs) the negative things are I have to really fight my instincts if Mm -hmm. I want to stay in one spot and get to know it a little better, which I've learned to do and I really enjoy doing that, but it's not my instinct. Mm -hmm. So I have to force myself like, no, I'm going to stay in this town for several days. I'm going to go to the same restaurant twice, (laughs) you know, 
But I think the other negative of my personality type is it's easy for me to fall into that annoying traveler person <laughs> stereotype that everyone hates a little bit. And I'm like, Shh, I'm not with her. She's I'm like, visiting oh from my a- God, where are you from? You're Canadian. I love Canada. Tell me more. Let me buy everyone a drink. Like, you know, like, it's kind of, it can be really fun, but it's not sustainable. Yeah. Like it's, your drive is to be that crazy party or travel person that makes sense with everyone, but you can't do that for a long time. No. So. Sometimes you got to just go lay on the beach with the book. Yeah, which I forced you to do. And so it was amazing. That shows my level of integration. Yeah. So my personality type when it's healthy goes to five, which is more like the nerdy, calm, yes, not as social one. And I was like, listen, we're both burned out and we're going to Cambodia and we're spending several days on the beach. And White was like, no, I think we should travel more. Like, I want to go shopping in the capital. And I was like, no, <laughs> putting my foot down and it's beach. <laughs> And it was perfect. And it was awesome because I tend to be a workaholic. Yeah, we're good for each go other. And go and go and go. And then it was like, what do you mean I only have a choice between the beach and taking a nap? What? <laughs> <laughs> I've never felt this feeling yeah. before. <laughs> and now we're planning another beach holiday. I know, girl. Mixed with some other really, really fun things. I can't wait. Yeah. It's like nine months away. <laughs> Whose turn is it? I don't know. Okay, well, I'm going to just take a turn. Okay. Okay, read me number six. Um, Number six. After all your years of travel slash living abroad, what still scares you on the road? (laughs) Uh, What's on the road? Does that just mean traveling in general? Yeah, that's a good question. Specifically on On the road. street. (laughs) (laughs) I want to talk about specifically on the road. You do it. Because... There's not really too much that just scares me about being on the road, or, you know, in the figurative sense. Oh, I have sense something. About me? Figuratively. No, for <laughs> me. You talk about yours and then I'll Okay, go. fine. I'm going to talk about my weird... Uh, <gasps> yes. Fears. Of hills. <laughs> yeah. You guys. I mean, I, they're not that weird. They're pretty legit. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Like, I do not consider myself a fearful person. And if I am fearful, who gives a crap? I'm going to do it anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Enneagram three. But after traveling in Nepal for three years extensively, I am still terrified of not specifically traveling in Nepal. It's traveling up and down unpaved roads in Nepal. When they're muddy. When they're muddy. Or dusty. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, I think that's a super legit fear. That's like the highest cause of death in this country. Which is not why I'm afraid of it, though. (laughs) I'm not like, oh, I read this news article about how many people died falling off the road. Let's delve into your childhood. I know. I really think that I have some kind of suppressed something because I grew up in the middle of nowhere. And um, my driveway was a mile long. um, (laughs) And it was made out of a creek bed. (laughs) <laughs> and um i can't even like mentally go there i'm such a city girl i'm like a mile that's farther than my high school yeah. and like a lot of times a year it would rain and we had a low water bridge that would flood and so i remember like slight side story but i remember coming down when i was really little with my mom to our side of the creek to 
throw a rope across to, for my brother and older siblings to tie around their middle so my mom what? could haul them across the creek. Haul them like were you walking? Uh, or she, yeah. I do not. She understand. just threw a rope. Oh wait, okay. Let's back up. So your siblings were on the other side yes. of the creek, so and they, they were, needed to get home, but yeah. your mom was already home, yes. and so she threw a rope to them, yes. they tied it around themselves, and then mm-hmm. she dragged them across yep. with said rope. Yep. Holy bitch. I know. I know. So anyway, and um, where I'm from in Arkansas, the soil is entirely <laughs> red clay. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't it kind of feel like I was just setting it up for a song? <laughs> oh, perfect. <laughs> Entirely red clay. <laughs> and a lot of Nepal has um has the same kind of red clay. And so we, Yeah, dude, that stuff is slippery. Wait, you know so the slippery. you know the saying, right? The Nepali saying? Oh yes. Rato mato. Chiplobato, yes. which means red mud, slippery road. And boy, is it true. True. So, yeah. So we have been on some not. Yeah. Just it just feels different if you're not in control of the vehicle. Like you if That's you're driving, true. you know how it's handling. But yeah. if you're stuck in the back of a truck mm-hmm. with 15 other people, then you have <laughs> no control. And you're like, if we slip, I'm going to die. Do you so, ever make plans to jump out? Yes. I meet you. Yes. (laughs) I'm in a bus and I'm like, okay, my window's down. If we start going over the side, I can dive. But can I grab the child next to me and bring them? Or will that make us both die? Like I make (laughs) an intensely detailed Mm -hmm. plan. Yeah. So, and we've been on some pretty sketchy roads, but honestly, like the stuff that scares me the most is the uphill and the downhill. And that's always been like, it's not just Nepal. It's like, I remember a twisty turny road by where i live and when i was a teenager i was terrified yeah of that road and that was like a nice paved road yeah so i think at some point like i grew up with really crappy vehicles too and we had a really steep hill made of said red clay and i think that at some point we must have slipped down when i was really little and i don't know yeah you had a traumatic experience (laughs) (laughs) i mean rolling backwards down a hill is like i talk about feeling out of control exactly yeah. Yeah. Well, here's mine that's um I don't know. I don't know what to say about it. I think maybe it also was brought on by a yeah. traumatic experience, but I am always terrified that I am going to show up late for my vehicle, whether it's a bus mm. or a Jeep or a flight. And I mean, it doesn't keep me up at night, but I did have an experience where I had the whole wrong day for my flight. I've never missed a flight. Like, I've never missed a connection. I've never had that kind of problem. I just, I don't know. I thought my flight was on Saturday. It was on Friday. Like, Mm. how do you mess that up? Anyway, I think it helped me because now I'm paranoid. But, like, (laughs) every time I fly, I... Like for the three days leading up to my flight, I opened my phone like five times to yep. look at the date. I'm like, is it Monday? It's Monday. Is it on Monday? <laughs> it's on Monday. It's at 3 p.m., right? It's not at 2 p.m. Oh my God, it's on Monday. <laughs> it's like weird OCD thing about it, which is funny because I'm like normally a super chill person. Mm-hmm. But I think that feeling of like, I mean, I think I had a really similar feeling that one time I went to go get on a flight and I was told that the visa requirements had changed for my layover. Yeah. And it's like, you're, you just, 
build up so much emotional energy. You get yourself all hyped and then you get there and it's just like, no, <laughs> shut down. It's oh. <sighs> such a weird, a horrible letdown. And yeah, knowing that it's your own fault because you yeah. forgot what day your flight was. Oh. Never again. That's terrible. Never again. Let's try another number. It is your turn. Tobacco Palo Ayo. Okay. Oops, I drew one for you. No. Mero Palo. Mero Palo. Eleven. Egara Bayo. We should have been doing Nepali numbers this whole time. I know. I thought about writing them in Nepali. Ooh. Um, could you imagine living in Nepal your whole lives? <sighs> What's our whole lives, man? Like, let's just live for today, you know what I mean? I mean, that's what my Enneagram type wants to do, <laughs> yeah. so this is a hard question for me. I'm like, you want me to make a decision a year from now? <laughs> Much less my whole yeah. life. I'm going to say no. Yeah. I think the reason I'm going to say no is I look at people who I know who have lived here their whole lives that are foreigners, mm -hmm. and I have either complete disdain for them or complete respect for them <laughs> and neither of those lives do i want to live mm. so like once i met a guy who is canadian and he let his passport lapse in 1971 and he has never left wow. this country and i thought he was a crazy person and i hated him a little bit <laughs> he just was like that arrogant expat type mm. that's like i know this world mm -hmm. But yeah, and not in a good way. And I just felt like mm, that's not a person no. I want to be. Right when you think you know it, you know you don't know it. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. But also there's people that, for example, we've connected with through our work that came here in the late 60s, like yeah. have been working here or have been coming back and forth a lot. And man, they're incredible people. They have amazing stories. They're super humble. Like... I mean, they could write books and books about their experiences, and yet they're interested in you. Like, mm -hmm. they're amazing, but I still don't want to be them. <laughs> <laughs> like, I want to be near my parents when they get old yeah. and are getting close to passing away. And while there's a lot of benefits to raising my kids overseas, I think I still would want them to have some kind of, you know, American experience because mm. that's my culture. And... Also, while I have such an amazing community here, it's still an expat community. It's yep. still transient. And I still have other really, really important friends that I've known since I was five years old Yeah, in the U.S. that I, yeah, I don't want to be 80 and be 9,000 miles away from those people. Yeah, yeah I agree. I'm going to piggyback off because when... When I moved to Nepal, I assumed that I was going to be here my entire life. Like, this was going to be my entire career. <laughs> and um, partially, I just like learning things. And so, like, I'm like, this is absolutely an amazing place to live. And I love living here. And I've finally gotten to the point where I really do love living here. And I consider this my home. But I would also like to, I would like to go to grad school, probably. Um Going to yeah. try new things. I've yeah, I've never I've never lived in the same 
city as an adult as any of my family members Mm, that would be nice to do once that sounds nice (laughs) like coming back for yeah for my christmas holiday i was like you know like staying with my sister and i went out walking with her Mm. every day and i was like oh what if i lived here and i was like hey sis you want to go out walking i'm like imagine that like having people like you said, like we have such a transient community. Mm. Imagine having people in your life that were so solid that like, right. you know, like even you and I, like we have pretty similar timelines, but you were just gone for nine months. Mm-hmm. And even if we're both here, then maybe one of us goes to a conference for, you know, and travels for a month and the other person then goes off on field work for another month. Right. And- well, and also I think, you know, the kind of there's a reason this is a cliched saying is the make new friends, but keep the old thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, as much as I love you and we connect super well, when I hang out with my friends from high school that I've known since I was like 10 years old, it's a whole other level. Yeah. And that's, which I'm sure you have with your siblings too, you know, and that's something that is, you can have substitutes, but you can't replace. Yeah. Agreed. I feel like I have a very fluid personality, as we just talked about. So mm-hmm. I am different parts of me come out in Nepal and they, you know, when I'm back home, then these are people that have known me like my entire life. And yeah, friends from like university and stuff. They can keep you grounded. Yeah. They're like, why are you being different? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's like, it's really refreshing. Instead, like Nepal, like you can be whoever. People don't know who you are in America. Like yeah. we don't even real we don't even think about the fact that we own driver's license, you know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> true. So anyway, I will say though about Nepal mm-hmm. that I think that... For some people, Nepal really does not, um, I can't think of the right word in English. Yeah. They do not milaunu. Yeah. They don't fit. No. Like a puzzle piece. Um, But for those of us who come to Nepal and they say, they leave and they say, I love Nepal, you're going to come back for Mm. something or other. Like you can't stay away from Nepal. That's true. Yeah. Even if both of our answers are, no, I wouldn't live here my whole life. I think probably both of our answers are, but I would keep coming back. Yes. I couldn't stay away. Yeah. Agreed. Shall we do another question? Is it my turn? No, my turn. Okay. One. Number one. He was number one. That's a SpongeBob reference. Oh, man. I missed out on it. How is Visit Nepal 2020 going for you guys? So if you guys don't know, then Visit Nepal 2020 is Nepal's current tourism campaign. Oh, no. Yes, it means that they, they their aim is to have 2 million people visit Nepal by the end of the year 2020. 2 million? 2 million. How many normally visit? Around that much, Less I'm guessing. Less than that, I don't know. <laughs> wow, that's so many. Yeah. So they've been planning it for years, and now, like, Visit Nepal 2020, like, has a um, uh, insignia and, logo. like, a logo. Thank you. <laughs> um, like, motorbikes have it on the back. Um, there's a huge, the selfie point that you see when you get to Nepal. In the airport. In the airport. Yeah. says Visit Nepal 2020. You'll see it everywhere. Yeah, it's a big campaign. Yeah. Um, so for us, we are doing our part. To visit, visit Nepal. Nepal. <laughs> Permanent visiting. <laughs> I, I remember when I first moved here, I was 
I was probably had been here for seven or eight months. And, you know, I was planning to live here for at least five years. Mm-hmm. And my language teacher was like, we were talking about the word tourist. And she was, her example sentence was, you are a tourist. And I was like, <gasps> no, I'm not. <laughs> I live here. <laughs> so I'm not visiting Nepal 2020. I'm living Nepal 2020. Ooh, that's a mood. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag live Nepal. Yeah. And some people are currently visiting Nepal right now. In this airplane that you can hear landing in the background. <laughs> Thanks for visiting Nepal 2020. <laughs> can you visit in like an hour when we're not recording this Thanks. podcast? Um, but we hope that we're doing our part in enticing you, dear listeners, to come and yes. also be a part of Visit Nepal 2020. Please. It is worth your time. Please. Okay. Next but- question. you Dane. Number 14. La, 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 la. Um, how far do you need to travel from Kathmandu to have a snowball fight? <laughs> <laughs> well, it depends on the month and <laughs> the year. Yep. So last year, right before I left for the U.S., remember it snowed in oh, the valley? Yes. So it doesn't snow in the Kathmandu Valley super mm. often. We're at pretty high elevation here. It's, what, 1,800 meters? 1,300. 1,300 meters, 4,800 feet? Something like that. I don't have no idea about feet. Look it up on Google. You Americans can fend for yourselves. Don't fact check me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so while it's high-ish elevation, we're tropical. Mm -hmm. We're pretty far south latitude-wise, like further south than most of the United States. Yep. So it doesn't get cold enough to snow here very often but every once in a while it does and last year it snowed i think it was a saturday and like everyone from the valley drove up to some of the higher hills on the rim of the valley and played in the snow and everyone's pictures were amazing it was incredible yeah everybody was posting there's like this cable car called chandragiri which is one of the hills on the rim of the valley and and it's like already like a big place for Especially, I would say, Nepali people to come. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're all, yeah. yeah it was it's just, a good tourist it was really spot. Fun. Yeah. I didn't get to go, but. But I mean, I think drive, like if you drove to the snow at that day, mm-hmm. it would be like an hour. So that's like the closest you can possibly go if you get lucky on a day. But yeah. if you're just trying to go to snow like any time per year, I would say, what? It'll be a trick. Six hours of driving plus two yeah. to four days of walking. Yeah. <laughs> Or if you just get a cool job like ours, you might just happen to hike up into super high elevation and mm, get I've to never build gone a snowman. To snow for work, but you have, and I'm yeah. jealous. It actually wasn't that high. It was probably like four thousand meters or something like that. But okay, it was That's still pretty high. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I have no idea how m- That's much snow that high. Is. I mean, it was it was snow high. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Okay, what else we got? <laughs> Number 10. Any local habits you guys have picked up and have you used them at home? I feel like we should give him a shout out. Yeah. So this question is from our like favorite (laughs) (laughs) Nepali artist. His name is Nozomi Rana. And you should check him out on Instagram. He makes amazing cartoons. One of them is called Momo Boy. Amazing. And it's so fun. But he does other stuff too. And I know at least for me, I love following artists and creators like this because I feel like it gives me a little bit more of a pulse on 
the culture and heart of Nepal and Kathmandu. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude, Nozomi. Am I saying your name right? I really <laughs> hope so. You're a Excuse gem. me, Mr. Rana. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't wait to meet you at an yeah. art show soon. So if you want to find him on Instagram, it's Nozomi, N-O-Z-O-M-I underscore R-A-N-A. Give him a follow. Cool. Um. Anyway, he asked, any local habits that you guys have picked up and used at home? Um. My favorite thing that I picked up uh, within the last time that I went home because I came off a straight month of field work mm. and I came straight to America pretty much. I had a week in between and I have completely given up trying to not point with my lips or my chin. Yes. <laughs> Those of you from other parts of the world may not know that Americans don't do this and it's weird. <laughs> Just like making kissy lips with your mouth and people around you are like, what's happening? Are you flirting with me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so in America, we point with our fingers. Which like is our rude index in a lot of other places. Yeah. yeah, so even before I picked up the habit of pointing with my chin, I still like didn't know I didn't want to point with my fingers. So I would do like a whole hand point or something. And, you know, that just doesn't work that well in Mm -hmm. Nepal. So, yeah, point with your lips like, "Mm?" (laughs) you know, just picture that what goes with that noise, like extend your lips (laughs) in the direction that you are talking about. Yeah. Mine is taking off your shoes in the house. Oh, that's a good one. And in the U.S., It depends on which part of the country you live in, whether you do this or not. So in Oregon, where I've lived, people do take off their shoes. But in California, people do not. Mm -mm. And so when I go to people's houses, including my parents, (laughs) I like get inside the door and I'm like, oh, no, can't have shoes on. Nah, nah, (laughs) nah. And so I immediately take my shoes off and they're like, you don't need to uh, just leave those on. Uh, like for them, <laughs> it's really awkward. They feel like I'm doing something that I shouldn't do. Right. It's, like, it's creating this weird, like you just lose momentum of entering yeah. the home. Like I stepped inside. You should keep coming in. Come have a seat. And I'm like, no, wait, I must remove my shoes. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's crazy because I feel like almost in some American cultures, it's like, It's almost showing that you're less at home if you take off your shoes because you're like, oh, no, you don't need to take off your shoes. Like, don't don't treat it like it's pristine. Like, just just I'm worried about protecting your carpet. I must take my shoes off. Right. Yeah. And for us, we're like, it's icky. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, But um, for the rest of my life, consistently, I will take off my shoes in the house. And I can't believe there's any cultures where they don't. (laughs) It's yucky. I've had a few traumatic experiences where I'm at a party and everyone (laughs) keeps their shoes on or especially sometimes you'll have like an indoor outdoor party Mm -hmm. it's like oh the drinks are outdoors and the food's indoors and everyone's just flowing back and forth and i come in and my little cute shoes are part of my outfit so i can't take them off and i'm standing on the carpet and i'm like "Eh, eh, this is very (laughs) uncomfortable for me (laughs) Uh, all right i think we only have one left our last question number four can you talk Oh, the perfect last question. (laughs) Can you talk more about how you got into lifting weights and how popular it is to do in Nepal? Any local competitions you've been a part of or been to, et cetera, et cetera? Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like especially for you, this is exciting. Um, So I'll talk a little bit and then you do all the rest. Okay. 
Um, so I personally got into lifting weights, me big, because a friend of mine's husband was in a powerlifting competition and we went to see him. Uh, he's from New Zealand, so also a foreigner. And yeah, it was really fun. And both of us felt inspired. We were like, hey, we could do that. Like we could be strong, badass ladies. Yeah. So it was nice to have a friend to do it with. And together we started learning more about the different lifts and we watched a lot of YouTube videos and we had some help from the trainers at our gym. And that's how I got into it. But since then I've been gone a lot. So I guess I don't have as much of a pulse on like how many Nepalis lift weights and competitions and stuff. So I'll let you answer that question, Wait. Yeah, it's definitely a growing sport. There's mm-hmm. the word I was looking Seems for. Seems like it if Instagram is any indication. <laughs> yeah. So, well, there are a lot of gyms in Nepal, um, and they have a very wide variety of, like, what kind of clientele that they cater to. So mm-hmm, yeah. bodybuilding is actually a really huge thing here. So they have, um, I think it's called Mr. Nepal competition. That's a bodybuilding competition. They do. There are some professional Nepali women mm-hmm. who are competitors. Yeah, I've seen a few women and definitely men that have competed in international yeah. bodybuilding competitions. It's exciting. Um, and then there definitely is a growing powerlifting community. Um, our friend who you started lifting with um, while you were sadly in the U.S., um, we found out about a powerlifting meet that was happening at the end of last year. And I was like, you have to do it. I got like <laughs> weirdly excited about it. I was like, you have to go and I have to be there to support you. <laughs> And, um, and luckily, she was like, oh, yeah, one of my goals for the year was to compete in a powerlifting meet. So I was like, yes! <laughs> and so that was really, really fun. It was at um, a gym in the north of Kathmandu. It was a very fancy gym called Gym Kana, which means gym food. Yeah, I want to go check it out. Yeah. It sounds super fancy. They, yeah, it was really nice. And it was it was a great meet. Like, it took the entire day. There was a lot of people mm-hmm. competing um and there's some like national coaches who do really well one of them recently set the record for the heaviest deadlift in thailand oh that's fun this is the information i know i spend a lot of time on instagram (laughs) he has a podcast or something too he does yeah Yeah. i think his name is tyson mokdon okay something like that yeah um But yeah, there's a lot of lifting here. I was talking to our other friend who does like CrossFit and Olympic lifting. And she said, yeah, I was not planning to be able to do this while I was in Nepal because she's only here for a short time, less than a year. Like I didn't think Nepal would have this or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, girl, we got it. (laughs) Yeah. Any sport you want to do probably is here. Yeah. It might not be super widespread or super popular, but you're going to find a small community of people who are excited about yeah. it. So Yeah, so if you're like a CrossFitter and you're traveling to Nepal, there there's a lot of CrossFit style classes. Mm-hmm. There's only one cr- like official CrossFit partner in Nepal that's in Gymkhana. But yeah, our 
gym also does like CrossFit style mm-hmm. workouts. And um, we've talked about our gym like a thousand times. Yeah. And we'll talk about <laughs> it a thousand more times because we love it. But yeah, I will say too that it's not just men that work out here. I oh, mean, yeah. I think at some of the gyms, it's like very male heavy, but it does seem like there's a strong and continuously growing community of women just gym rats, exercisers, weightlifters, and it's fun to see that and yeah. super inspiring to me. Yeah, I absolutely love it. And like, because we go to the gym so often, like basically about two hours of most, you know, five days of my week are spent at the gym. And like, so the people like the trainers at the pump, mm-hmm. those are people that I see every day yeah. and they see horrible lifting faces <laughs> they know your deepest darkest yeah. secrets <laughs> so how often you live your lick your lips when you're trying oh. to do a lift oh. <laughs> <laughs> <I outed you. laughs> yeah that's my weird lick licking face that's my <laughs> weird lifting face is that i lick my lips super aggressively <laughs> i always have to bring chapstick to the gym <laughs> so does that answer your question listener yeah. <laughs> Yep. So it's it's a definitely a growing sport and I'm excited. I'm just I just feel always I just feel really honored to be a part of it because ultimately like it's expensive to get equipment into Nepal. True. Um so we kind of tend to make do with what we have. Um that means a lot more like free weights, compound lifts, things that don't Which involve I prefer anyway. Yeah, like things that don't involve like isolation machines basically mm-hmm. yeah um and i love it i know it's great our gym's the best it's the best the pump the pump we love you okay well that was all our questions i hope you guys had fun with us on this bonus episode a little more freeform a little less planned out yeah. a little more crazy yeah thank you so so much to our patreon patrons who allowed us to reach our first patreon goal and made this possible. Yes, you guys are amazing. I think that's kind of all we need to say. I think you're right. I think it's time to go. I think so. I, there's another airplane coming. So oh no, I we gotta hang up real it's fast. It's time okay. to go. Bye. I'm putting the phone down. Okay, so Wait, I'm gonna pause <laughs> while I get a little bit more around. <laughs> <laughs>